0: You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. We're talking with Dr. Isaac Towel on choosing an implant system. Dr. Towel is the current president of AIE, Advanced Implant Educators. AIE courses offer real-world execution of implant placement, alveolar ridge expansion, and crestal and lateral wall sinus graft augmentation. Dr. Towell lectures around the world and teaches live surgical seminars on advanced dental implant procedures using the latest technology. Dr. Towell, it's a pleasure to have you back on Dental Talk.
1: Thanks, Phil. Glad to be here.
0: So we're going to be talking about choosing an implant system, and implants are becoming more and more popular. As you talked about on a previous uh, podcast, there's been uh, studies or or surveys or whatever information showing that uh, 50% of new dental graduates are actually doing the surgical aspect of the dental implant procedure. So how would a clinician select an implant company?
1: When I'm looking at an implant company, I would look at, let's say, purchasing a car. When we're looking at, at purchasing something that's going to be quite expensive and something that we're going to be living with for with some time. And, and typically, people will stay with an implant company pretty longer, maybe longer than your lease on your, on your car. But you'd want to find something that would have some great support, a good warranty, um, and you know so that something that's uh, an implant as advertised. Um, one of the things that I've been involved with lately is looking at Implant project, which is examining implants as they come out of their sterile packets to see if they're truly still sterile or not, um, as the implants are advertising. So something to look for is to see that the implant has the clean implant uh, seal of approval, and there are are a bunch of implant companies that now have that. Uh, The other thing is that they they are available to you, that they're there to support you. So if you're if you need education, they're there to help you, point you in the right direction, to provide that. If they if you're in need of a part um, something that's in in a, um, a let's say on a, on a back order it, does a rep gonna run out there for you and go to a neighboring uh, clinician and get that par for you so someone to really hold your hand help you through these surgeries they're obviously not the doctor so they're not going to be doing the actual surgery or planning the actual surgery for you but there are so many knowledgeable reps out there some of the companies that we look at out there don't have any representatives at all mm-hmm. yet they are online based and they are doing that, that same mentality. They're educating you through their website, and they are trying to help you out over the phone. And they can do a very good job of that, and some people like that. So it kind of depends on what your your own strategy is. You see a lot of people that would rather purchase on Amazon than necessarily walk into a uh, Best Buy shop to go buy a, a piece of, uh, of electronics. And it would be really the same type of a thing. My mm-hmm. personal preference is to have – a a company representative that's semi-local that can be there when I truly need them that may be able to help me out on uh some different cases with um some different parts that I may not be have been aware of um and that that the implant company has a variety of of materials um a lot of implant companies will just make implants and that'll be it Mm -hmm. some implant companies will make adjunctive products to those implants to help make the implant more successful Um, in addition to the uh, the texture of the implant, the surface coating of the implant, and the some of the connections of the we can discuss some about that about what is platform switching and things like that if we'd like um, a little bit later on. But basically, we want to look at the implants. If this is going to be successful. Our friends who are already placing those implants and know that they have that support, that they have received that same um, support from their from their reps and from their company when they were in a time of need.
0: Mm-hmm. One of the things that we've heard about is primary stability. Could you tell our audience what primary stability is and how does the design of an implant affect it?
1: Sure. When, the, when I first started placing implants uh, 16 years ago, uh, primary stability was all that was there. And it was basically, can we get an implant in and will it stick? Is it mm-hmm. good to get it to be to be really tight or is it better for it to be loose? The days of Branemark and then from Lenny Linkow and some of our, our amazing predecessors like Carl Misch, um, we They have figured out that by placing an implant and getting a good torque on that implant, that the implant would be successful. Now, the only problem with that is the implant is not going into a piece of wood. If we're trying to hang a painting on a wall, we would screw in the the uh, holder or the molly or dolly, whatever we're using, into the wall, and then we know that it could hold a certain amount of weight. When we're dealing with with implants it's going to obviously be very different so depending on the the type of bone that we're looking at we want to be able to have um, a, a proper primary stability so in, in softer bone uh, we still want to be able to get the same type of stability as we would as we were, as if we were drilling in harder bone so there are, there are some implants that can actually give you the advantage of that they may come in different varieties of sizes or thread patterns to be able to help you densify that bone to make it a little bit so if I'm drilling in, let's say, the posterior maxilla, which is typically known to have very soft, porous bone, I can take an implant and I can actually use that implant with its, let's say, more aggressive threading to condense that bone and turn that bone from a very soft bone into a harder bone and get primary stability. Mm-hmm. So if that implant will stay in the mouth. It's not rotating around. It's not spinning inside of its, it's mm-hmm. a, a drill hole, which is known as the osteotomy which is very important. There were days where we thought that if we had an implant and it was spinning inside of a, of a uh, osteotomy socket, that we should just leave it alone and let it heal. These days, our patients don't have time. They don't want to wait you know, six months, seven months, eight months for us to be able to restore the tooth. Mm-hmm. So they end up wanting to, uh, us to be able to give it to them the same day. And that's not obviously not always possible, but if we can speed up these treatments by getting good anchorage, good primary stability of that implant, even in soft bone, we we'll could be able to go ahead and deliver a a crown back to our patients. And in my practice, if it's a, a fairly straightforward case, we're looking at restoring teeth on even in the posterior in about six weeks, which is wow. which is really a huge that's improvement amazing. from the days of Brannemark that six months. So it's a, it's a big step forward that we can use some of these uh, designs of these implants to be able to help condense that bone and turn it in for to that denser type of bone quality.
0: So when you have the denser bone, as in the mandible, you don't need that kind of architecture or, or configuration of the implant. What, what's
1: that would be correct? So okay. you want you'd want something that would necessarily that would something that would be less aggressive mm-hmm. in the in let's say we're dealing with something like the anterior mandible, which it typically has more cortical bone and very very little sure. cancellous soft bone. Right, and we want to be able to place that implant, and we want a, a reasonable uh, torque. So. Well, I see a lot of people that like to kind of shove implants in as hard as they can. That's not necessarily the philosophy. We want to get um, roughly in the neighborhood between 25 to, let's say, 60 at the most in terms of, of the torque of the implant. So can we do that in soft bone and can we do that in hard bone? That's, that's how an implant can really help you. So less aggressive in the anterior region, in the mandible where it would be very dense, and still maintain that, let's say, 35 newtons of torque. And the same thing in the maxillary might be more aggressive with the with the with the implant itself, and still be able to obtain that that same thirty five newton uh, newtons worth of torque to give us that initial primary stability.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this: What is platform switching? I've heard about that, and why is it important?
1: That's another wonderful feature uh, from the implants themselves. So in the past, the connection to the implant directly to the implant of the abutment. Uh, would be a very flat connection. It would be almost an extension of the of the implant body out through the through the, so, the soft tissues. Uh, actually, they had mismatched certain um, abutments for for on top of implants, and they found that they were actually getting greater soft tissue response. And so all the companies basically switched over into this newer philosophy, which is designing abutments that now can. Uh, come out of an implant, regardless of the size, become a little bit narrower as they exit the implant, and then widen out as they start to emerge out of the soft tissue, which is what we call the emergence profile of the of the implant. Mm-hmm. So what we like to try to have is a more of a S line type of a shape of a of a and kind of thinking about our bodies and then our necks and then our heads. So it's a very nice to have a neck that has a little bit more slender than the body and before <laughs> it the crown. In most cases, it is, yes. Yeah, and, yeah, and, you, and you see these these, uh, these uh, beautiful models on Vogue magazine with that same type of slender look. Mm-hmm. So it's the same ideology, same concept. The body should be a bit um, different than, the, than, the, than the, the part that's emerging out of the soft tissues and before you put the crown on it. Now what's beautiful about platform switching is we can use a very wide implant and still have that platform switch to make a very wide crown. We can also use a narrow implant, which is let's say a four millimeter implant, um, even in a molar type of a site if we don't have enough bone, mm-hmm. and still be able to make a molar size type of a crown because we have that emergence coming out of the soft tissue, and then we can widen it out as it as it meets the gingival margins.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what is guided surgery? Is it available for all implant companies?
1: So, yes, absolutely. Uh, It's uh, available across the board for pretty much almost every implant company out on the market. Um, There are obviously some obscure implants that uh, aren't necessarily the the root form type of implants. They may be uh, subperiosteal and things like that, and uh, they require a different type of uh, procedures. But guided surgery itself is the ability to take what we spoke about in the first podcast using that cone beam technology, and then we can take either an, an impression in the mouth and have that digitized, we can also do intraoral scanning. And then what we want to do is we want to merge those two files together and then plan, be able to plan our implants. So we can now have a surgical guide that will go into the mouth. It may sit on teeth. It may sit on tissue. It may sit on bone. Right. And we can actually then plan uh, the the, um, the type of appliance that we want based off of the, the uh, type of, um, of case that we may have. We may have just one or two missing teeth, we may have a completely edentulous patient, and we may be wanting to do some bone grafting or sinus lifting, but the guided surgery concept is to be able to place a, a resin or a metallic structure into the mouth, and then simply just start drilling through the hole. Right. And there are obviously many different types of of um, surgical guides. Some are open, some are closed. Some are meant for reverse drillings, or some meant for for drilling. Some are meant to do sinus lifts. And it's really impressive what we can do once we have all this information compiled, uh, that we can then play with it on the computer, uh, try to choose our own. And what's amazing these days is we don't even have to use another an outside company. Some you can go and pay for a uh, surgical guide using some of the amazing companies that are out on the market, um, such as, let's say, 360 Imaging or Road Ro Dental Labs or 3DDX or uh, Implant Concierge. Um, there's so many of them, I can't even name them. Uh-huh. Or you can go in your own office and plan them on a program such as Blue Sky Bio or R2Gate, and you can actually then export that file to a 3D printer in your own office. Mm-hmm. You can actually make your own surgical guide to go deliver it, directly into the patient's mouth and what becomes really interesting is that once we actually have this guided surgery plan we can actually make prefabricated provisionals some temporaries in advance before we even touch the patient so now what we're doing these days is actually making final posts final abutments and even some uh, temporary and maybe a a final coping or sometimes a a, you know a temporary crown uh, on that to be able to deliver teeth same day without having to do really much lab work in your office. You can do this all in advance. You can have it shipped in a box to you or you can do it yourself in your own office. So the, the digital world is kind of really coming to the point where we're, we're hitting a, a pinnacle, but I know there's a lot more to go because we keep seeing more and more stuff every day. And every implant company has been jumping on that bandwagon to, to keep going because they see that the sky is the limit for this type of product, so much so that these companies have focused really exclusively Industry in the past for you to make more and more dental printers, which they never thought they would be doing. They thought they'd be making candles and and toys for kids in their rooms, and now they're making teeth. And uh, the latest thing that I've seen is actually uh, 3D printed teeth that uh, just got FDA approval recently uh, for uh, a hybrid composite crown that could be used as a final crown that you can make in your office in under five minutes. So there's some really, really impressive uh, things coming along the line due to guided surgery and digital technologies
0: yeah it's it's phenomenal the change the change in the profession is happening so quickly it's it's just incredible that's why we have podcasts like this so we can learn from experts like you on what's going on uh, we're talking with dr isaac Towell, an expert on the topic and uh, isaac it was a pleasure to have you on the program thanks so much thanks Phil. So my pleasure